All right, guys. Uh, episode five, uh, Cutler Cast. I, I just asked Matt when we started this, what episode is this? Because I just we've been moving along so fast, are faster you, than I thought. Are you like getting old and forgetting, or are you no? Just so I just busy, you, you just... know what? It's going to get to that point where it's like okay, episode after episode. The problem is, is I shoot so much content, and today I, I did a video today. I did one yesterday. I did one Saturday. I think I did one even Friday. So for me, I've been shooting the last few days, so I'm kind of lost in what I'm. Let me put the Capone down here because he's getting fidgety. Uh, I I lost track of like what I actually have to do, and and uh, you know, for me, like. Between JTV, now the Cutler cast, you know, you've had great success. And the feedback's been phenomenal. Yeah, no, I I didn't think we'd get as many comments as we have. But every single one, there's just a ton of comments. People are asking their questions. They're giving their feedback. Um, some people want to see guests. Some people want it to stay the way it is. You know, a lot of people have never seen this side of you, the side that I know and people close to you. Know. Well, it's kind of funny because right now uh, we've, you know, normally we're on tour Right, we have expo after expo or events, but we've been sidelined. So yeah. this is kind of uh, a good thing. I was talking to Izzo in Germany this morning, and he really is enjoying the podcast. And the feedback's been phenomenal to our German fans because, as as you know, we were scheduled to go over and over to Germany, and we haven't had the opportunity. And people look forward to that FaceTime, right? Yeah. So for us, you know, for being able to have this as kind of an inside track of what's what our thoughts are, what our lifestyle is. You know, they, they can see stuff on social media, but when you get into the nuts and bolts of what what we do or how we think, that's really what people wanna yeah. wanna know about because listen man, you build you build a, a base of people that follow you for certain reasons. And I think, you know, we take we take for granted sometimes the ability to live in the space that we are. And, you know, fitness obviously is our lifestyle, but there's so much more that goes on other than fitness. Yeah. And also just Instagram nine times out of 10 is just a still image. You write a quote or you write something or it's a uh, product placement and they don't get to see, they don't get to hear like your just thoughts just flow. And, you know, if you're doing JTV, that's, you know, it's based around bodybuilding. Yeah. So this is a, a just a total different side that, the average fan has never got to see in you. Yeah, and and with social media, like I, that's why I, I've I've taken social media and it's a positive thing for me. And I always I get this question a lot: where, what do you think about social media? And I was a kid, you know, at gold at Gold's Gym picking up magazines, and you know as well as I because you followed the books. We would try to make those pictures come alive and tell a story. And unfortunately, like, you had to use imagination to do that. So when I read a, a, a book by Bob Paris or a magazine article, you know, he talked about doing chest. And it's not like today where you can click on YouTube or see actual training DVDs from the past of certain champions, including myself, and learn and watch the motion and watch, like, exactly how the elbows move or... Mm -hmm like how, you know, the dumbbells, how far apart they are or, you know, the, how, the speed of the repetitions, right? And that's what's so, so important. So I think that explanation of certain things and now with, with live, even though I know some people listen to this on audio, not visually, because I know with, we talked about this, like when we were shooting to do this podcast, um, we call it a podcast, but I don't know what, really 
what it that it's Cutler cast. We talked about how people would be working around the house listening to this yeah. and not watching us sit across from each other or, or look at guests that we will have in the future. And they'll kind of like, you know, put it in perspective to how they take in the information. And I think that's what's really, really cool about being able to do this now during COVID and, and since we're, we don't have the ability to travel. Um, I just read something this morning about, you know, e, EU now locking down again, meaning like U.S. Yeah. can't travel there. Yeah. And it's like, damn, is it ever going to end, you know? I hope so. You know, uh, this weekend I actually had someone come up to me and I was in where was this? Yeah. I was in Colorado. Okay. I went up to the uh, Brian Shaw Classic in Esses Park, Colorado, which is beautiful town. It's in you know, it's in the middle of the mountains. And a gentleman came up to me and said, "Hey, are you manager Matt?" Yeah. And I was like, "Like, how is anyone noticing me in here?" Because I'm just kind of you know sticking myself. Yeah. And he talked about, man, I watch, I listen to the Cutler cast. He listens to it on Spotify. He doesn't watch it on YouTube. And he was talking about how much he enjoyed the the, the podcast. So that was the first time. I had someone come up to me that I did not expect it there at a strongman event in Colorado came up to me. We took a picture together and he talked about how he, how much he enjoyed the podcast. So that's a good feeling to, to know that it's reaching random. Yeah, places. but we knew this, but the pro the, the thing that's so crazy about if you look back and watch like even my DVDs, which, you know, you probably witnessed, you you knew me pretty early on, but, Dude, I didn't say anything. No. I didn't speak. So, like, now when I speak, people are like, damn, I didn't know that about Jay. Or, you know, obviously they've read articles. But I, there's not a lot of of talking, right, that people have content of other than, you know, even in my DVDs. It was just very... What year's the last DVD you did? Uh, I did one for 2010. Nine. I, I, around 2009 for the... Um, it was called Undisputed. You thought about doing another one? Yeah, your DVDs just don't work, bro. Not like, a DVD. I'm just saying, like a documentary. A documentary. Yeah, like. it would be great. I, I, I think. But you know what? My documentary would have to be. It would have to be very complex. What I would like to go back is to high school because my past tells a crazy story, mm-hmm. and you know I have pictures flexing my muscles when I was seven years old, and. I was like bigger than every teenager there was like, especially in the area where I grew up. And I was, you know, I started working out with weight slightly in, in high school when I was a freshman, but I used to have, my brothers had a weight set, you know, the concrete weights, you know, those plastic weights. And they had the, the bench press with the, you know, the rack was very, so if you unloaded the weight, the thing tipped over, right? (laughs) It was real thin right around your back. Yeah. So, So I used to go, and I remember bench pressing 70 pounds, you know, and I didn't lift weights. Uh, but when I started, you know, high school in, uh, you know, at Wachusett Regional High School, I was able to start weight training somewhat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how, like, about really about repetitions and all that. But I was always, I always excelled more than everybody else. You know, I was stronger. Then I mentioned in high school, you know, I used to go on these competitions for uh, football and we'd do a bedlift, deadlift, a bench press and a squat mm-hmm. and I always was the strongest in those one rep maxes um, and I didn't lift weights you know that was when I was like a junior in high school we traveled to the regional high schools so my crazy past you know it would be cool to go back and interview like a lot of my childhood people and say you know what did you expect yeah 
and what did you see and how would you see the progression? What was the mindset? Because I think the mindset is more important to everyone because it, it makes people like think, okay, what is my mindset like? Do I have yeah. the ability to go beyond what expectations are? You know, and that's the thing is, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be <coughs> one of these people that tell you, uh, I, I knew from day one I was going to be the greatest body blur on the planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of unplanned, right? Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, to, to move, you know, up like I did and all the ups and downs, you know, it always wasn't a huge success for me, as you of know. Not. I mean, in the beginning it was very successful, but once I got to the pros, it was like, okay, take a back seat. And, uh, you know, Olympia stage is the biggest stage for us. And uh, I had huge expectations going into that. And, of course, I got kind of pushed back a little bit just because of my age, I think, and maturity. And then here we are, you know, with all the medals and everything else, and I finally achieved the great status. And now I look at, you know, the younger generation. I say, okay, who's going to be the next? Who's going to be the next Jay Cutler, right? Mm -hmm. And we can talk about, like, you know, the secrets and, you know, people always ask me that, like, what was the secret? Of- you know how many people, after we mentioned that in the last podcast, there's probably remind me what comments. Remind me what it said. We were, you were just saying, I'm going to talk about bodybuilding secrets okay, next okay, time Okay, 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 so. But, but you didn't say what it was, so there is just comment after comment. Matt, tell us a secret. What's the secret? We want to know the secret. You know, why did Jay do that to us? Why did you leave us hanging until next week? So you have secrets in bodybuilding I don't know if they're secrets. It's just um, maybe things that were secret to you that you didn't tell other people. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you like a couple crazy things. Okay. I'm going to talk about, um, saunas. Okay. So when I was training for like 2001 Olympia, which people on paper think that's probably my best look ever. Right. I competed. I think that was like your best condition. Yeah. But the the balance. So I didn't do any cardio getting ready for that show. Zero cardio. I did no cardio. How is that possible? Well, it's it's everything against textbook. Um, what I did do, though, I was training twice a day. Okay. So I would hit the metabolism twice. Instead of doing the cardio sessions, you know, Chris Aceto, who was my trainer at the time, was like, listen, you're going to get more benefit out of training with weights twice a day. So I, I chose a workout routine that allowed me to have two body parts a day that I trained. So, like, for example, I would do chest in the morning, and triceps at night. How much of a break would be in between? Five hours. Five hours. Joe Weider told me that. Joe Weider actually told me that you need five hours. So I followed a Weider principle of that. I swear, I swear that's exactly, he told me you need five hours. So at the time I was training at like 7.30 in the morning, I would go back at like 2 or 3 o'clock and I would train. Mm-hmm. And each time after the workout, I would sit in the sauna for like 20 minutes and it would be blazing. Bla- I don't even know what the heat was at, it, but it was ridiculously hot. I literally had to get out mm-hmm. a few times during the time I was in the sauna. And this was twice a day after twice every a day. training session. Okay. And I, I truly believe that that worked well to speed up the metabolism. You know, I think that saunas help that. I think the sweat factor, you know, pushing water out. Um, of course, you need to stay super hydrated, but that was one of the things. And then, of course, I leave there. Wait, 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 wait one, one, one quick question. Did you ever talk to any other bodybuilders? Has anyone else ever done that too successfully? I don't, I don't, I don't or never is this really. this the first time you're really well, talking it, about I'm it? Well, I'm never, I never really, I, of course I spoke about saunas, but just like t- deep tissue massage, I felt that that was mm-hmm. a benefit because it, you know, deep tissue not only flushes the muscle, stretches the muscle, 
uh, keeps the muscle pliable. So obviously blood flow goes more mm-hmm. through the muscle, but it also helps move around blood in certain areas that you might accumulate s- stubborn body fat. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, when, when my guy would rub down the back of my hamstrings and, you know, the glute tie in and those places, you know, lower back, I believe truly that those areas, they got, you know, moving around that tissue and causing the blood flow and causing the circulation that helped just like the saunas, you know, causing the blood flow, you know, your blood flow is going to be more sweat. So if you had areas where you held more water, it would be flushed out. So I felt that on a daily basis, flushing that water really helped. But also I would go to the tanning booth. I would lay in the high pressure beds and I would use like preparation H or whatever on my like stubborn, like on my glutes or whatever else. That's supposed to pull water. Supposed to pull water. But another thing, like that's, that's another thing where it's like continuous pulling on a daily basis. I felt that it, it, you wouldn't get as much sticking. You know what I'm saying? So I remember years ago, guys would always use preparation H and you don't hear anyone doing that anymore. Like on their lower abs and stuff to help pull that last bit of water. But I haven't heard anyone do that in a long time. Yeah, no one really talks about that. I mean, I told you, I mean, even when I came back in 13 and was, you know, trying to win the title from Phil, um, I wrapped myself in saran wrap before I did my cardio, and I wore a weight belt. You can see that in the Living Large trainer. Does it work? I think the heat, you know, trapping that and really, I would take that that saran wrap, I would wrap, wrap it around all the way from my my hips all the way up, mm-hmm. and it would allow me to sweat like crazy. When I took that, that rip, that, that, uh, saran wrap off the water would just pour out so i those are kind of like things that that i did and i don't know if i there was a secrets it's just it's more effort Mm -hmm. if that makes sense but people would say well jay why didn't you just do cardio listen i wanted to maintain as much muscle and and we know i don't care what anyone says cardio and weight training um are two different animals right and if you're trying to maintain a rounder fuller muscle the cardio is very hard to, it's going to deplete that muscle. And anyone that says, well, my legs get bigger by doing stairs. Listen, if you didn't have to do the stairs and you were able to, you know, train twice a day and actually work the muscle because the muscle, you're going to burn way more calories trying to maintain a pump in the gym, weight training than you ever could do doing cardio. And that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Okay. So for your body to maintain that pump, you're going to burn more calories. So, uh, I think that if you're able to do less cardio um, and condition yourself to a certain point, that's more beneficial. Mm-hmm. And these are kind of like just secret things that I just never really shared that I did to have that extra effort into attaining the best look. Now, people can question, oh, you weren't always the most conditioned guy. But you know what? It's all illusionary because if you have a certain amount of muscle mass, I was... Uh, talking to this woman at the gym, the uh, I was training at Lift Factory on Sunday, and she was talking about, you know, my hamstrings are really coming in. And I said, well, listen, you're getting more dense muscle there. And it doesn't matter how much you diet or try to strip your body fat down. If you don't have the muscle to push against the skin, yeah. you won't have that definition. As you know, I was never the leanest guy on that stage, but I had enough condition where I appeared to have, you know, a leaner look than the guy that might've had lower body fat. Yeah. You know, I calipered 3% body fat at 280 or something. That's the most I've got down to. I don't think I've ever measured myself under 3%, but that was 3% in calipers. And you know, uh, 
it's questionable if those are Sorry, accurate or not. Yeah, what's accurate? The, I think the, the water, water test. test. Yeah, where they put you in water and weigh you. And they can tell. I never accurate. did a water test of you. No. Because it was never like when you're standing on stage, the judges are never going to ask you, what percent body fat are you? <laughs> no. How much did you squat getting ready for the show? How many calories no. did you eat? Did you do cardio? It all depends on the illusion you create. Yeah, and, and you know, you've heard this. I mean, Nathan D'Asher doesn't do any cardio. No, no. I, you know, I remember Dexter talking about that. That was part of the reason why he thought his career went so long because cardio is wear and tear in the body. And if you're not putting your body through that wear and tear, that atrophy, you can go a lot longer. Yeah, I mean, 2001, man, I, I just did some crazy things. I mean, we talk about, you know, I mentioned to you, like, this candy corn Boston beans <laughs> thing. I remember you used to always talk about the candy corn. Yeah, so, so, you know, Chris Chris Aceto, who did my nutrition, you know, for many years, uh, he the way he used to prepare my diets, I, I hate to say prepare, but he used to guide me. And he would say, listen, you're going to eat this many carbohydrates and this much protein. And I don't care what it's from as long as it doesn't have a lot of fat, right? So after training, like, you know, as you know, when you're a huge body weight, like I was 280s, sometimes 290, even getting ready for a competition, you know, I was trying to get in a lot of calories. So we'd have high, low, and medium carb days. So basically, you know, I'd have like a three-day cycle where, you know, I would, you know, eat a certain amount. I went on my low-carb days, I would have high, high protein, and then my medium days, the protein and the carbs were kind of like even. Mm-hmm. And then on my high carb day, the protein would go way down and the carbohydrates would go way up. I'd still have the same calorie count, but it would be from way different sources. For example, if I was eating 400 grams of protein a day mm-hmm. on a low, low carb day, right? And I was eating, say, 200 grams of carbohydrates. Um, I would actually on the high day, you know, drop that protein to like, 150 or 175 oh. and i would take the the carbohydrates to like 800 to a thousand as you know four calories per gram of protein versus carbohydrates right it's the same as fat has nine calories per gram so i would keep the fats to a minimum and then i would just try to take in as much carbs as possible and a lot of those would be around the training so you know he used to be like drink something with sugar or you know whether i drank gatorade or i used to drink coca-cola i'm not gonna lie like 2001 olympia i i won Basically, that contest, I got second, but I, you know, probably could have won. Drinking Coca Cola after I trained, I ate, and I had candy corn. <laughs> candy corn after training for the calories, just to reach like the how carbohydrates. Many well, it, I would measure out whatever the label said. If it was like ten candy corn was fifty carbs or whatever, that's what I would eat. So I would be able to get in three hundred grams of, of carbohydrates right after the training, because that's what I, I think what I was shooting for. If I was eating a thousand grams that day. I would have like half in sugar and then the rest in like rice. Mm-hmm. And I would put honey on the rice. It was crazy. I was having asparagus in my rice and I was putting honey on top and I would mix it all together and just eat it. This is wild dieting, not off. Yeah, this was dieting. Yeah, this was wow. dieting. That goes like, it almost goes against, against what the almost textbook, every yeah. coach got to remove sugars, got to remove sweeteners, got to remove everything. Just plain Jane. Every prep was different. Did you ever do that again later on? Because I don't. It almost. I don't want to say. It almost sounds reckless. Yeah. Because you're. It just. Yeah. That you, goes against every. I can't say that I did that, but you know, I I graduated to having like sushi because, as you know, um, but a lot of the viewers don't know, 
like you go out for sushi and we get some rolls, right? Even yeah. if we're eating spicy tuna or like like yeah. whatever tuna, like whatever on rice, that rice is loaded with sugar. Yeah, because they put sugar in it. Yes, to make, to it, make stick. it sticky. So that's yeah. why, guys, you have sticky rice when you go to the sushi places. And I watched, you know, I didn't know this until I watched my friend <laughs> at his restaurant. You know, Matt yeah. used to run Katsuya. He said, do you know how much sugar we put in our rice? You know, it would be a huge thing of rice. And I said, how much? He's like, you wouldn't believe it. And it was like a huge bag. <laughs> so everyone's thinking they're eating rolls and they don't realize yeah, they're pounding Yeah, like sugar. you're getting all that sugar. So when people are like, oh, I'm, you know, I, don't, I didn't cheat that bad, you know, and they, they say I'm not supposed to eat sugar. There you go. So those people that, you know, cheat on sushi, it was just like me eating the candy corn. So I kind of graduated to a less exposed <laughs> carbohydrate <laughs> source. You went to sushi instead yeah. of just eating, eating Halloween Because, I mean, it was, but, you know, Boston baked beans had a little more fat, so that's why I didn't. I, I did some, but they have a peanut inside. It's like uh-huh. a hard shell. Um, our, our guy's probably like, what the hell? You, you know what? You know what I'm thinking of? Of all the candy in the world you could eat, Candy corn is disgusting. What the hell did you eat candy corn for? It's, I don't know. I it's liked like, it, man. That's the stuff that you leave in the bottom of the, like, like on Halloween, you get all this candy, and there's candy corn in the bottom, you're like, I don't want this you shit. You know what? Back then, we didn't have, like, sour strips and, like, uh, sour well, like gummy a worms. Bar, I don't even know. Like well, Kit because Kat. they have a lot more fat, bro. Yeah. You know, they have nuts and all that stuff. So I was trying to, like, I stay away. That's why I mentioned the Boston baked beans. I realized they have peanuts in it, but... On the days when I would take in a little less calories, um, on the high carb days, that's when I would go to Boston Baked Beans to get the fat in there too and help slow my metabolism a little bit. But, uh, yeah, so I would, you know, I graduated to the sushi thing and, uh-huh. and uh, you know, I'd have these epic sushi meals like at a buffet, like all you can eat buffets. That's when they first started all you can eat sushi, like back, you know, now it's everywhere. But yeah. back then, I, you had to find special. If you go to places. if you go to a sushi restaurant in Vegas and they're not all you can eat, you almost kind of look at them like, "Why well, am I you here? know what? You know what? It's funny when you mentioned, oh, I only eat at all you can eat sushi." I'm like, "Man, those ones aren't usually aren't as gr- good." But the but everyone's kind of gone into same, all man. you can eat sushi now. Yeah, and there are good and bad sushi yeah, places, yeah, but are. it. You and I discuss this all the time. We we hate going out to eat anywhere but sushi. Yeah, and why is that? I, I, I know just, my reason. But. I like sushi, but I just, I like the all you can eat. I like being able to go just have a little bit of everything and not just one thing. I know, but you could do that at a Vegas buffet. So what's the difference? Because sushi is just sushi. And I just love sushi. You know why? You know, I'll tell you why. Another secret. The sugar? No, because you can't, I can't make sushi at home. No. I mean, I probably could learn, but it's one thing. Like you can make burgers, you can yeah, have you can pizza, you can like anything you can have at a Vegas buffet. You can pretty much make right. I got an idea for a new video for you. Jay Cutler makes sushi at home. Yeah, that's probably a good video. That would probably be. <laughs> it's either going to be great chef. or it's going to be no, no, no. Not hire a sushi chef. You got to do it. I probably could learn, but that's something that like you, you know it's just so easy to it go can't out be rocket and eat out. No, so. It's it's uh it's one of those things. That's probably why you know I chose yeah. to do that, and then uh, you know, because we don't like there's no real thing that we crave, right? It's uh, we talk about this a lot, especially as you get a little older. You don't have those like you listen to these people that are competing and like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to eat this. I can't wait to eat that. You deal with that all the time because you work time. with a lot of athletes, and I don't crave anything. And I didn't crave a lot when I was training because I was a high-carb dieter, right? So I was never really depleted. Like, my low-carb days, like I mentioned, 
I, listen, I died on 50 carbs before, but when I was at my peak, I think my lowest was 400 grams of carbs a day. And that's a low like day. as high as like some of the high guys are now. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if that has something to do with some of the, the physiques now. We were, I was just talking about this today with someone. I remember watching Ronnie Coleman dieting on French fries in barbecue sauce. Like how can you, how is that possible? It's just genetics. I you mean, he'd I mean? eat out every meal. I mean, yeah. he ate all McDonald's in the off season, but, and still, when just, you have that much muscle, I mean, it just. Think of the two of you. The two of you are both the larger guys on the yeah. stage, and you're eating upwards of 1,000 grams of carbs a day. Ronnie's eating piles upon piles of French fries with every meal, and that got you guys in shape. And nowadays, most some of these guys will drop their carbs to 50. Yeah, you know? I, I think, you know, listen, I'm, I'm not going to say this, and this has been a topic lately on how hard the guys train versus uh, today, right? What I can say is this, and I witnessed this this weekend. Uh, gyms are more well-equipped with machines yeah, rather than free weights. And remember, I started at a time where there was no hammer strength or any of that stuff. Yeah, And I watched the transition of machines now come in. So we talk about the great gyms in Vegas and the machines they have. We don't talk about, hey, they have this brand dumbbell or these kind of heavy like thicker are. barbells. or Because yeah. I prefer, remember the thinner barbell barbells? Yeah. Now they're thicker, right? Yeah. Um, but we talk about the machines because obviously, you know, with shoulder problems or, you know, elbows or knees, you want something that's smooth. So yeah. like we have powerhouse who has some of the best equipment I've seen in Las Vegas right now. And, you know, I work out at kilo and they have techno gym, which I feel is a lot smoother really than good, some yeah. of the hammer strength. Right. Um, so we've seen that transition. I think that's what we're seeing a lot. People are working on machines and not to say it's, it's bad. You can still build a great physique, but the meat and potato movements, yep. They're very few and far between. Who I can say that I follow on social media that I'm impressed with the training, the hardcore training is Ian and Chris Bumstead. Yeah. They're building muscle with heavy weights. Yep. I So earlier today, uh, I was with Milos, mm -hmm. and he trained a, a okay. girl that I'm working with. And we touched on that a little bit. And I said, uh, the guys nowadays just don't grab the, the heavy dumbbells. There are, the but no, there's some that do. Yeah, some. But I'm there's, just a, the there's a variety majority. that yeah. say, oh, I'd rather work on this machine or. Yeah. We didn't have that. Yeah. Right. So to build the density, do you have to squat or deadlift or bench yeah. press? I think at some point you do. Yeah. I mean, that's just my opinion. To build and that dense, dense muscle that, and I'll use Ronnie as an example or Branch Warren or you. Johnny you guys, Jackson. Johnny yeah. Jackson. They lifted heavy yeah. free weights. Then I'm not saying, of course, there are, there are guys that do it now, and their physiques show it. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, you're right. A, a lot of the people now tailor their their training around, you know, around machines. And I mean, that, remember Mike Francois? Remember the density yeah. of Mike Francois? And, I mean, they all had kind of powerlifting backgrounds, and that's what I'm noticing. You know who else has a lot of density? Look at Hadi Chupan. You ever mm -hmm. watched him train? Yeah. Same thing. It's free weights. It's not very, very little machinery. But I can also understand if you're a top guy – Training with free weights, you have the risk to reward ratio is a lot. It's a it's a lot higher than it is versus using a machine that's a little safer. So you got yeah. contracts to think about, and some of these guys might say, "I don't want to risk that." Yeah, you're right. But you know what? They the hammer strength actually was brought about 
and I remember this when it transitioned into bodybuilding, was actually made for sports teams. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Life Fitness ended up purchasing Hammer Strength, but I remember it was made for more strength and conditioning for football players and baseball, basketball, that kind of stuff to alleviate the dangers of the free weights, right? Because you can't do it's. It's hard to hurt yourself, yes, right? Because it forces you to move it correctly. Yes. So it does the motion. That's what's unique about hammer strength. That actually, so if you're supposed to go at a certain degrees at a, at a bench press, for example, that it does the movement basically, and you yes. have a variation of grip, so you can do lower, higher, you know, and, and it works isolateral, so you have that weaker side. You're not restrictive like a barbell, yeah. and that's why that equipment was made, and that's. You know, that's basically, it's it's kind of like a buffer yeah. for the real thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, kind of where we at. But, but you know, you're not I, getting that when you're using a dumbbell. you got to stabilize that. And that's yeah. still working the muscle different just to stabilize it. You know, but you can, you, you can usually look at a physique, I think. And you can look at someone and go, that person's lifted a lot of heavy, heavy weight. Yeah, and, and listen, we still stick to a lot. You know, when we train, like, we still use a lot of weight, like, free weight movements. Yeah. And I think that's... We always do s- at least half of its free weight movement and then some machines. I've kept a lot of density, but, um, you know, I, I pivot back now a little bit to um, mainstream sports. Like, I look at characters that kind of inspired me early on, and, and uh, I know I mentioned to you... Um, you know, early on Bruce Jenner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who was unbelievable. I just read it. I just watched a documentary the other day on him. And, uh, you know, Lance Armstrong were some of the biggest mm-hmm. uh, inspirations to me. And, and what's funny is, you know, I'll touch on Bruce Jenner, but uh, Lance Armstrong kind of like as I started my journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, he won seven, uh, seven Tour de France. France. Yeah. In the years where I kind of was like, Coming, coming up, up yes. right? So 99, I think, was his first, and he, uh, I think his last one was at t- 2005, right? Yes. Seven years. And during that time, like, I won the Olympia the next year, but I was second, second, second you know, that was pretty much my climb. And I remember reading his his book, Be, uh, uh, It's Not About the Bike or whatever. I think that's what it was called. And it, it really inspired me to, uh, you know, become better mentally, and I loved the, the the tenacity and like his focus. Okay, of course later, you know, all this the blood negative stuff, yeah, yeah, came out and you know, obviously we're in a sport that's, you know, not as restrictive, right? Yes. Uh, testing procedures. So uh what I really enjoyed about, you know, was the time and time again coming back and that's really you know, as you know, I was consistent, right? I was second, second set, you know, I didn't really fall back once I reached that plateau. I was only one place to go, and I, I was able to climb that way. So for me, you know, looking at those type of athletes, that's really in a lot of inspiration. And it's similar to, like, the people that started me in bodybuilding, like Sylvester Stallone and Van Damme and, you know, film stars, right? But I remember in, in, in the 70s, you know, I was born in 73, and I remember Jenner on the, on the Wheaties box. I actually remember that. And I remember how, you know, I remember seeing him with the gold medal and, like, him being this, you know, crazy athlete. And to, to watch the documentary and realize that, you know, his first year, 72, was his first year in the Olympics, and he finished 10th. Mm-hmm. And then he was able to climb up, and obviously he had a lot of inspirations along the way. Got my phone beeping. Probably. And uh, it, it was crazy because 
you know, this is someone that, you know, if you looked at how he actually built up to be better, like he was his physique, you know, and I, I admired the physique. Like if you look back and watching the documentary, I think you should watch it. It's uh, I'm, I'm definitely, it's pretty it. cool to see, you know, he actually showed in the documentary, um, the, the guy that won prior to him. And he says, he mouths the words, that's it. And he knew at that point, I'm coming back to when this is going to be my destiny. And I love that. You know what I mean? It's kind of like we talk about the greats of the Jordans and, you know, obviously LeBron and these people that are just like Kobe Bryant that are just like determined, yeah. right? And that gave me a lot of inspiration. I was able to actually work with Jenner actually in 2005. We actually did a um, like an infomercial together for a vitamin that I was involved with in Utah. And it's funny because we had some deep conversation about bodybuilding and he knew Tom Platt's well. Because he used to train at Gold's Venice. Yeah. So it's kind of cool that those athletes, that was my first experience, like, of athletes mixing. Because remember, social media didn't exist, right? And, you know, the funny part is the average person out there, when they think of Jenner, they just think, oh, he's married to a Kardashian. Yeah. They have no idea. He was literally the most savage athlete yeah. in the world in the 70s. He was that guy. He was the ultimate But there was alpha. no social media. Yeah. There's very little. So when you get to see these documentaries on these athletes... You know, it's kind of like the Jordan thing, right? Right, Jordan. When we watched the um, last dance, the last dance documentary, you you learn about all this stuff that the you didn't the know scenes that nobody knew because yeah. there wasn't social media. Where every day, right now, like LeBron's on, you know, first take. Like you're watching all these different media channels, yeah. and you can know exactly what LeBron's doing, right? What he's doing off, you know, with his son and, and playing basketball, and all the donations he does, and great, you know, charity things. Um, and represents, you know, basketball like better than anyone, right? But it's it's crazy because this is an athlete, you know, I mean, I think back to like the Celtics and the Lakers. We talked about that series and we talked about the Birds and the Magic Johnsons and, you know, the, the faces that you just don't see on social media no. today, right? No. And that's when I talk about the transition of sports. But that, you know, giving, giving your, your mind and putting it into that kind of realm – yeah. Gives you great, great motivation. I encourage like anyone that's striving to be better. It, it doesn't have to be in bodybuilding or in sports in general. It's about life. You know, that's what yeah. you can just talk be, about. Just becoming the best at what you do. Yeah. I mean, there's someone, everyone in their life has, they're a role model for people around them, whether it's your child or a family member or best friend, everyone is looked up to. Yeah. And that's what I learned. And that's, you know, I just always said, listen, I'm on a, on a platform that uh, makes it more visible. So people look and they say, well, you know, your no, your, your notoriety is there and your, you know, influence is much greater, but I'm on a platform that's way more visible because obviously with my social media presence, but it's just so, it's so amazing to me that I still have more popularity today than when I was winning uh, the Olympia 11 years ago. Yeah. That was my last and one. And you know what? I mean, and, and I work with a lot of the, the active people now. And to this day, you're still the most in-demand bodybuilder in the world. In-demand, meaning the most requests for appearances. Every big expo in the world wants you. Uh, the Every podcast wants you. And it's not just, you know, part of the reason we started this podcast was it, it, there isn't a week that goes by that there's not some type of request, whether it's for a sports or financial or just motivation or, or just a radio station. Like you're still 
the mo- one of the most in demand people. Why why do you think that is? Uh, I think my time, like the length of a career. What do you think the length of a bodybuilding career is supposed to be? <sighs> I think most I, people don't even. Have I think a five years, like, is it? Is I was going to say five. Is, the vast majority of people that want to become a professional bodybuilder never do. Just like the vast majority of people that want to be in the NFL, only so many people do. And for years, only what the the winner of each class in nationals, the overall winner in North Americans, and the the first and runner up at the USA's turn pro. So there was way more people that that never even got that career. Now, once they did, how many of them really went? You know, fifteen to twenty years, a small handful. There's a lot of people that turn pro and you never hear of them again. But what makes you think that that? you are still with all these other guys out here now who are active on social media, who are still in the trenches, who are standing on the Olympia stage, getting medals. And what, why do you think that these promoters in these companies and these expos, they still say, if I'm bringing someone in, I'm go- Jay, I'm going to Jay Cutler. Um, you know, listen, I, I appreciate, I think I'm not going to like say, I, I appreciate people more than everyone else, but, what you'll notice about me is I always take time for it with everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Even if it hinders the time we have, meaning like if we're trying to go somewhere, or we're scheduled to be somewhere. I, I never cut the lines, right? You know how many times you've come up, dude, we have to go. Or yeah. we, have, you know, we, I, like, we, we I never want to disappoint people because especially people that wait. But listen, man, I was a fan of it. And I think that I, I still have that level where I'm still looking up at, you know, what, what makes someone like a prominent person. And I still have that reality of that. You know, my mom always said, she said, what I love about you the most is that you're still the same person as you were when you were 14, 16, 20. Like it, it didn't really change. It doesn't matter all the success because with me, I measure success like beyond like people look at, uh, like notoriety and, and success as like financial or power mm-hmm. where I, I measure success as how happy you are in life and how much you can laugh and smile and, and be like in a position where you can kind of do what you want to do and you're happy doing it. Right. There's no bad days. Like yeah. we talk about that a lot. And uh, I think that's where people, they feed that, they feed off that energy. So when they meet me, I think their expectations are like, hmm, I, I wonder what Jay's like. And they walk away with the experience of like, man, he's just a normal down to earth guy that mm-hmm. just loves what he does. And I truly, I mean, we go to these expos because we love it. Uh, we travel, you know, for the USO because we love it, you know, and in all like after all everything's said and done, like it's the benefit of being a, a role model to people and being someone that they look at as motivational, that's really what it comes down to. So when, when these promoters and these people that want to bring in a name, they know that, okay, well, Jay has a good reputation. I think that people want to meet him and have the experience to shake his hand and maybe share uh, some sort of story. Mm-hmm. And everyone has a story. Everyone has a story to tell me. And that's what I love about my, what my job is. You know, I wake up every day and, you know, I get messages on Instagram today and, you know, even the messages we get on these, these uh, podcasts, right. And they're like, you know, telling me, you know, this is the reason I found you or, mm-hmm. 
like this is why I get motivated watching your stuff. You know, you've heard it all. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not because even, oh, even you have the we, biggest arms, right? Even when we go to places, people always tell stories when they're standing in line. Because a lot of times, you know, I'll stand there and grab the phone just to help, yeah. help along with pictures. And while you're sitting there talking with somebody, somebody behind me will say, hey, look at this picture of Jay and this little kid. You'll look at it and be like, oh, it's a cool picture. And he's like, you know, that was me 12 years ago. And he he gave me he gave me a free picture back then. Or... Jay showed up 20 minutes early or, and he stayed two hours late where a lot, you know, a lot of other people won't do those things. Like I remember we went to uh, a Sweden, not last year, the year before, and we were only supposed to be there the two days and we got in a day early. And I remember I walked over there and I was like, man, this thing is massive. I had no idea, you know, how many people are going to show yeah. up and you're like, it's going on right now. And I was like, yeah. And you're like, well, let's just go in today. I'll just go spend four or five hours there today. You didn't have to, but you're like, what am I going to do? Just sit in my room? Yeah. Like, or what are we going to do? Like, let's go see fans today. So we went literally three days in a row and not a lot of people would do that. And I'm not like calling people out or anything, but there's a lot of people that won't take that extra step. But how many people went there only that Friday that weren't coming Saturday and Sunday that got to see Jay Cutler that wouldn't have got to see him and now they can go back and, wow, man, he wasn't supposed to be here. And he just showed up to see the fans. And all those positive stories are going to get spoken. I, am I crazy to to spend as much time? No, no. I, I think it's there. that's what you do when you build a legit brand. And you have a, a brand that's larger than life. And it's because it started years ago. And the way that you act now with fans it's not fake. It's not fabricated. This is how you acted with fans 20 years ago. And it's been the same person right along to where somebody might have been good with fans and then they got some notoriety and then they're not as nice to the fans or don't give the extra effort or blow them off or turn stuff down. And then later on in their career, they're like, oh, I got to get back to the way I was before. But that middle part, fans remembered how you were. They remembered when you left the left an hour early or showed up an hour late or or someone asked you a picture and they said no like I've never heard you ever say no to anybody you know outside of like when someone asked for a picture in the bathroom or something I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. like dude no we're not taking a picture that's in the, bathroom. the worst bro. it's like yo man you want a picture of the urinal in the background like <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you like I've had that happen numerous times where uh, people ask other, for pictures. other athletes right oh yeah I mean I remember one time in particular it was Phil Heath and I were I think we we're in Germany and somebody came up. He's like, yo, can I get a picture? And I looked at him. I said, yo, man, he's taking a piss. Like, what are you doing? Like, go stand outside. <laughs> but some people just, uh, they just, you know, they just don't care. Hey, man, no you, know, you know what? I, I love it that much. Um, it's so crazy. But you, but, you put, but you put in the effort and people remember it. And what happens is when you start this many years ago, and now maybe that 12-year-old kid that you gave a picture to or a poster to or a shirt to and you didn't charge them, 15 years later, somebody's standing in line. They say, hey, my name's so-and-so. Here's my business card. I just opened a nutrition store. I want Jay to be the first person there because, and they'll recite that story. Yeah. That's happened so many times. You know, I want him to be there because he was at a bodybuilding show and, and, you know, he was late and he, and he he stayed an extra hour and I got to see him because of that. And every other bodybuilder there was just dipped out. 
and but they remembered you put that effort. And I always tell that with anyone I've ever worked with, effort matters. Mm-hmm. Effort is the most important thing to me, you know, because you can't always guarantee the results. But you can't fat you can't fabricate it if you're really putting an effort in. Yeah, and that's I, just been something I've lived by. I think for our people watching and aspiring fitness people, because I know some of you guys follow this. You know, my reputation is I was the first to get there and the last to leave. Always, many times, still. They, to, well, to this day, like, listen, I set my hours right, but I I don't cut the line. So if they have to kick me out, but I remember at the at the uh, meet the Olympians. Do you remember those? Yeah. Many times. I can tell this story in, in 2007 when we talked about this last time when you had the infection. Yes. And I remember when I said, like, I, I, I thought you could have died. Yeah. And that's not an exaggeration. And I remember coming over to you. Everyone was gone. You were, Ronnie was gone too. Everyone was gone. You were the last one there. And I was like, I said, Jay, you know, we, we got to get you out of here. You, you were there for like three hours. And there was still 100 people in line. And, and you'd slowly turn your head to me and you're like, I'm not leaving. And you're, I remember looking at your jaw and you're like, I'm not leaving until the last fan sees me. Yeah. And that's it. And you sat back down. You could, you weren't standing up taking pictures cause you couldn't stand. Yeah. But people sat there and you signed every last thing. And then when it was done, you know, we, we went around that door in the back and you ate there. And then we like, you had a hard time walking. We like helped you walk to yeah. the car and then we drove back, but you were the only one there. And I remember when I started working with Angelica, I told her that Jay has the blueprint, follow Mm -hmm. it. And every year she was at the Olympia, she was the last person to walk out every single year. Yeah, so for the viewers, their listeners that don't, the Meet the Olympians is a night before the contest, so it's Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a meet and greet, which is absolutely crazy. Like, I never agreed to this whole thing, (laughs) like, with the way they did it, because it's like, you know, the Super Bowl team, it's like Tom Brady having a meet and greet the night before the, <laughs> night before the Super Bowl. Yeah, like with fans. It's really hard to do because your focus is like trying to dial right with water depleted and mm-hmm. carb loading. And it's just it's just doesn't make your body feel the best. And, uh, you know, but I remember staying at those things and just, you know, people's reaction to this day. You're right. People still come up to me and they said, yeah, I met you and you stayed. Thank goodness, because everyone else had left and. You know, that could change people's lives. Of course. And that's what makes my job exciting is, you know, changing people's lives for a positive just by a simple conversation. I can't I can't even imagine, but then I have to put myself down uh, to how I was when I was a kid and being able to travel to Olympia, but I never imagined that. Yeah. To this day, like, I didn't have that opportunity. I lived in the East Coast, and, you know, we didn't even know what, what where the Olympia was held, you know? It was kind of like a thing in the magazines that popped up after three months it was over. So, and now we get to travel the world, and, you know, I was just thinking when you were mentioning, you know, Germany and all these places, and I remember, you know, flying in, which is crazy. I remember bringing all the luggage. We, we travel <laughs> with huge luggage bags of, like, merchandise right because we sell our merch at the booths and FIBA was probably the biggest sales we've ever had like it's the biggest fitness expo in the world yeah so that's in germany and i remember united used to only fly to frankfurt and then you had to take a train (sighs) it's a nightmare to cologne right yep so i remember no place to put your bags yeah so i remember (laughs) i remember i had three big roller ogio bags who shout out to ogio because they sponsored me for years and 
I remember like I was by myself and I'm like, how am I going to lug? You know, you have to bring the carts, right? Yeah. And, and you, you know, can't take them out, at, you can't yeah, take the them out of the airport. train station. Yeah, yeah. Like, so I had to try to drag, drag those bags. So I would stack the, like two on top of each other and hold, try to hold the handles. Hold the handles Thank God I was it. a 300 pound bodybuilder with yeah. a grip, like, you know, a gorilla yeah. grip. And I was just, I was pulling the bags, you know, through, through this train station. Then you're right. There's no place to put them. So I'm <laughs> stuffed on a train with a gazillion people. And you have to put, you have to, so when you get on this high speed train, you can have a seat, but they literally have no spots for bags. So in between the carts or in between the two carts, they have that spot where you get off and on. And yeah. you have to stack the bags in there. And if, yeah. you, if you have a stop, you have to make sure they don't fall out on the ground because you have no place to put your bags. And then once you get to Cologne, depending on, there's two spots. They can let you off in the train station in Cologne or mm. they can let you off right behind FIBO depending on which train yeah. you get on. If they let you off at the train station, you can get a taxi. But if they let you off behind FIBO, there's nothing there. Yeah. So you just walk out and then there's just like a sidewalk that goes right to the building. So... You have to drag your shit. You have no, there's no one, unless someone's there to help you, you got to figure it out. I was thinking about uh, FIBO. It's another, you know, another story about going the extra mile. And I remember this was two years ago. You, uh, you were booked for an hour and then they had another athlete coming in for an hour and then you were booked for another hour. And I remember we got done with the hour and you were like, you mean I'm going to leave here for an hour? And then I'm going to come back in another hour. And you're like, no, I'm just going to stay here for three yeah. hours. So we stayed there. But most athletes would have been like, I got an hour off, I'm out. And they would just leave. And you're like, well, what am I going to do? Like, where are you going to go? You're going to walk through. There's 300,000 people there. Yeah. You're going to try to walk through the crowd. It would take me, it would take me an hour and a half to walk out of the expo to come yes. back in. So you're just like, no, we got it this. Made no we're roped sense. in. So we just, we stayed there for like three or four hours. Yeah. But. Every fan, and here's another thing too to, to, to aspiring athletes or, or just whatever you do. If you, you don't realize that sometimes that fan that's standing in line, they might have drove 10 hours to see you. They might have took off work to be there. You know, they might not have a lot of money, expendable income to take off work to go meet someone that's their idol. And no matter how bad your day is, no matter what you have going on, that person is going to take that experience with them forever. And if you don't give them that little extra, they're going to leave and go, so-and-so's an asshole. I drove 10 hours there. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the athlete doesn't realize what this person went through. And that's why when you just treat everyone good and you treat everyone the same and you give them that little extra effort, that person's going to go home and you are their idol. And now you're like a hero to them because you gave them that little tiny bit of extra effort. And you'll do that a lot where someone will come up. And I see it every time. Someone walks up, you put your hand out first. You shake their hand. What's your name? Oh, hey, nice to meet you. And you ask them something. Because you know, they're nervous as hell. Of course. I mean, I would be too. Yeah, well, hey, how long have you been training for? Or you got a show coming up. Oh, is yeah. this your sister? Is this your mom? Is this your kid? Like, you give that little bit, and it, and it does calm someone's nerves. But people remember that experience, that Jay Cutler asked me my name. And he shook my hand. Mm -hmm. You know, he put his hand out. And, you know, there's a lot of people that won't do that, that extra bit. And I think a lot of it's confidence, though, too. Like an athlete has to have the confidence and be able to stand face to face with people. And of course, a lot of people don't have that experience, right? Not, not to say from the get go, I, I wasn't like that. Yeah. 
I wasn't as inviting. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it's funny because you see me at these expos and then you see me on the personal side and you're like, you know, I'm kind of still an introvert and I like yeah. alone time and I'm very, very reserved, right? I'm not like the guy that super wants attention all the time. And I think for me, it's, it's uh, you know, I had to learn uh, how to be more appropriate and accepting yeah. the fact of who I was. And I, I was a figurehead in the realm of what I did. Yeah. Uh, I never imagined, and, you know, it took me a while to really mature myself to that level and realize that, okay, I, I'm in this position for a reason. And that's, that's today. That's, I mean, that's what we do. So it, it just makes my job so easy, so fulfilling, but more importantly, uh, it's, it's a value to so many around the world. And, you know, we can talk about expos till the end of time and, and uh, where we've traveled to and all the different cultures, Australia and, mm-hmm. you know, like we mentioned Germany and Canada and we have our Canadian tour coming up. So shout out to our Canadian people and people are killing me with Toronto, bro. They just yeah. want me to come so bad. And unfortunately, because of restrictions, I'm just a little worried about that. But right now our tour is planned for um, October. Yeah, yeah October. October 15th, but... Uh, uh, Saskatoon, it's gonna Regina, Edmonton, uh, Edmonton and, and Calgary. Calgary. So we have that though, that region. Sorry, guys, our Toronto people, we don't have anything planned, but we've got to plan something there. Something, once. Will, something will come up. It's it, once once we're allowed to travel again, like normally. I know, I know there'll be endless promoters around the world or places that are going to want to bring somebody in because they haven't had anybody. I mean, I'd love to go to Sweden in December. I don't know if that's going to happen. The last I spoke to them, they said it's still kind of on pause. The UAE we're not traveling to. All Um, the events were canceled there. We were supposed to go to Iraq, you know, for, to do uh, supplement stops. Algeria also. Algeria. Yep. Um, The only other one I know for that, that as still scheduled, you know, the uh, Arnold, the Olympia and, San Diego. San Diego, but also Tamer has a show in uh, Brazil, Brazil. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And that's still... Yeah, Brazil, I know you want me there, so... Maybe. I know I, Tarek just asked me this weekend, because I actually went to a show this weekend. I, I didn't mention that. So while you were in <coughs> the Denver region, yeah, uh, they did have a muscle contest, uh, the Sin City Showdown here in Las Vegas, and I was able to attend the night show and give some support. Some local athletes competed in... Uh, you know, I got to see Tarek there. Tamer was overseas over in Brazil. So uh, we have another event happening uh, this coming weekend, which I'll be in Anaheim for Angie's competition. So she's going to be competing in the uh, Southwest, it's called. Yeah. She's doing her first bikini competition in a few years, which is kind of cool. And, uh, you know, just it, it seems like every weekend we could go to a show. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was nice. It was different for me. So this last weekend I flew into Denver, and then I drove up into SS Park, How which far? is about – it took about two hours, a little over two hours, because it's windy roads and up up into the mountains. And Brian Shaw had his second annual Brian Shaw Classic, and it was in this uh, pavilion, so to speak, but it was big enough. I mean, they had about a 1,000 fans in there. And I'm telling you, I have never seen a crowd so happy, excited, full of energy to see this strongman competition. Now, Brian brought in all the top guys from the world's strongest man outside of the the two brothers that placed from the UK, the, the guy, the gentleman that won it. 
and his brother, they weren't able to come because their sister the world's was strongest man. Or? Yeah. The guy who, who's the current world's strongest okay. man, his sister was getting married that weekend. So they couldn't come the Stolman brothers, I believe okay. their names are. And, but he even had, he even had big Z come back and compete. Saviscus, who's like one of the most yeah, decorated. Yeah. He competed a lot of years. For, I was there. Yeah, he yeah. won four world strongest man, eight Arnold's. And this is the first time he competed in years, but every old? 46 and he was, and he was right in that top three, you know, going, you know, until he had, I think he pulled his calf or he pulled a muscle and he had to pull out of it. But every single time a guy went up there to do some type of lift, that crowd went absolutely crazy. People would stand up, they'd start stomping on the bleachers. They'd scream at like at the top of your lungs. And I'm looking around and I'm like, holy crap, like these guys are going to move more weight than they normally would because how are you going to let that crowd down? So it was cool to just go see an event that, you know, because I'm, I'm close to Brian and I, I help him with his appearances and, and he's a trifecta athlete. And just knowing that a year and a half ago, he hit me up one day and said, hey, I'm going to do a Shaw Classic because, you know, Brian you know, does well in the industry and not everybody else is, is in a is position. Is he a pioneer of yes. Strongman? He's one of the, he's one of the, most respect he's i always tell him he's the jay cutler of strongman and you and him are very similar in a lot of ways how you treat people how you your work ethic and the whole nine but he said i'm going to put this event on in colorado last year and he said i'm going to put the money up i'm going to do this event and i'm going to compete in it and whatever place i take i'm giving all the money to the other guys because i want them to be able to make a living like I do mm-hmm. and like I have. So he this this whole event was him giving back. So uh, Friday night was so successful with their streams. Saturday morning, he walked out and addressed the crowd and said it was so successful, I'm taking the prize money from fifty grand to $100,000. Personally, he doubled it. He wasn't doing this to make money. He said, I want these other guys to be able to make a living. So that's just, it, it's cool to, to see something like this. So, like, how much does a f- first place guy get? For- I think the first place got 25 grand. Okay. And so they, they spread the money out. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was, it was just a really, it was just a cool event because Strongman is like, it's not like any other it's kind of. A, so popular, though. It's popular, but, but these guys legit cheer each other on. Yeah. Like, even though you're trying to win, like, like you'll see some guy in there in the like let's say they're going to do a lift and if this guy does x amount he takes first place the guy that's in second is out there cheering him on like hey i hope you beat me and i've never seen that type of yeah i I think you know witnessing strongman at the arnold where they have it at the night show yeah i feel that uh the crowd really gets behind them too and they don't know anything about strongman but when you watch a guy do a feat of strength, a three hundred pound dumbbell. With it's one just arm. crazy, man. And yeah. and you know, Shaw's just a just a. I mean, he's a beast, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a he's. I mean, Bill Kazmaier was the man growing up when I was. You know, he he would be probably the most famous strong man that I him can and remember. so the 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 head judge for the Shaw Classic was Magnus for Magnus. Yeah, you know, and he was all he was there with Kazmaier. Mm-hmm. They, they were battling. He won four world strongest mans as well, in to look at him and think this was the strongest guy in the world. And then you look at Brian, who's over 400 pounds yeah, and he's not fat by any means. He's just a massive human being. Yeah. Former basketball player. Yeah. Which is crazy. I remember one time he told me he got up to like four seventy. I'm just sitting here thinking like, 
God, I mean, I remember when I was like 280 and, and I could barely breathe. I couldn't imagine being that big. Is he six seven or six, six nine? Eight. Six eight. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was just it was just it's cool to go to events where that you know this event is getting put on mm-hmm. for the right reasons. You know, like, yeah, it's like really it's it's very generous. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and I, I I mean. You know, you and him were going to do a, a an so event seminar, together this, yeah. this last year, but, it, it, you know, the Arnold got canceled where it was going to be the four times world's strongest man, the four time Mr. Olympia, do a seminar together. Mm-hmm. And I still think, you know, maybe next year, if it gets bigger, I think it would be a cool event for you to go to because even though it's a strongman event, every strongman still knows who Mr. Olympia is. Yeah, the demographics are it's, same. It's yeah. still the same. It's still in the same family. Mm-hmm. And the strongmen pay attention to everything else. And, I think that crowd would have abs if they would have if you would have been there they would have received you just like one of the strong. You ever see the picture of me between Shar and all those guys? Shaw and Saviskis. He it posted was o- overseas. Yeah, it was, it was I, he posted. Dude, was, I look like the size of this bottle, <laughs> like in between these monsters. It was it was your birthday, I think, last year, and Brian posted a picture yeah. of. <laughs> he said, "Happy birthday, Jay!" And it's a picture of you between him and Adrutus. Yeah. No, look there like was a, another guy. And there too, was another yeah. guy behind you. And you look like a little child standing. It's, I and saw, I was still pretty big then. You know, I was no, probably two sixty or something. No, I think you were still competing. No, no, it was it, it was it was when I was retired. But I was still big. I mean, it was yeah. a couple years after. It was like twenty fourteen or fifteen yeah. or something at FIBO. Man, it's a lot of lot of uh, lot of success in all these different facets. Of, it was, it was know, like I said, it was it was cool to just you know go to something a little different than I normally yeah. do. And, you know, and I went to the world's strongest man with Brian earlier in the year. That was my first time ever seeing the world's strongest man in, in person and then go into this event. And it's like, wow, this is, this is, this is a pretty cool thing, you know, but we'll get you out there. Can't wait. What questions you got for me? All right. So we got, and guys, uh, we're, we're thanking everyone for uh, the great questions. Cause this is going to transition into some of the questions today. <laughs> okay. The first, give the, me an easy one first to start. Give me the easiest question. <laughs> Will Jay ever grow a full beard? <laughs> I think I answered this. You did, but you you got to answer it on here now. Uh, I've done that a little bit. I think you should do it once just to do it. Like, don't shave for a month. Uh, when I don't shave for like a week on Instagram, they start, hey, man, you should grow a beard and you look badass, you know. But Why don't dude, you get I'm, all tatted up? I'm not trying to look badass shave at your this head, point. But- yeah, it's just, for me, uh, you know, a beard just, number one, I, I think I'd be more white in my beard, you know, because of my age. <laughs> you always pick on people that have beards too. Yeah, well, you I just, look I, think, shitty. I think you need to keep it trimmed or take care of it so it doesn't look so rough, you know, ragged. Who is it? Who is it? Isn't it like Flex Lewis? You always pick on him. You're like, well, he has a red beard. He's like, he's got a beard and it's red. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I would wear that, but, you know, I, I like, like, I think, you know, Jason Poston has a good beard. Like, he shapes it good. Um, but you know, sometimes your beard gets a little crazy, but nah, I, I don't think I, I would probably say I would never grow a beard. I've done like some scruff, but I think that's as far as it's going to go. I think there should be some type of challenge in, in if, in you if I lose a beard. Yeah. So this one's that this one, give us your funniest travel moment. Like something that really funny. I can, I can say one up front that, that, that yeah, we why don't you tell me the story. And so this last time we went to, Germany to FIBO, we were trying to find food, and which is a chore, which is not easy, especially on Sunday night. We don't speak German. Don't speak German, so it's on Sunday night, and Uber works over there. So, 
I order the Uber and I said, you know, I'm finding this restaurant that's supposed to be open. So the guy picks us up and, you know, you can look on Uber, the path they're supposed to be taking. And this guy was going, I don't know where the hell he was taking us, but it was not following. Like, all I know is like 10 minutes later, we're trying to talk to him and he doesn't know English. We're like behind some building in an alley somewhere and he drops us off. Like, and we had to like climb up over some like little wall thing and walk down to get to this restaurant. And the whole way we're like, like, yo, what the hell's wrong with this guy? He just... He just like left us in the middle of yeah. nowhere. So we walk for a couple minutes and we get in the restaurant and it's closed. So we said, just said to the people, oh, we just closed. We're not taking anyone else. I'm like, where can we get food? And they're like, well, you got to go to the other side of the bridge. Yeah. So I'm like, look, and I'm like, I'm not walking that far. So I get back on Uber and it says, oh, a car is coming in five minutes. So a car pulls up and we're, I think Izzo was with us. Yeah, you yeah. guys get in the back seat and I get in the front seat and I look over and it's the same damn guy yeah, that just yeah. got, that, that just dumped us off. That was, yeah. <laughs> and I think it was a language thing and it was late at night. I think yeah. it was like 10. We just finished working out. Yeah. I think we were working at um, one of the We're training gyms. one of the gyms. And I remember yeah. looking at him. I was like, yo, man, you just dumped us over here. You're going to get us lost again. And the guy just looking at me is no idea he what I'm saying. He didn't say anything back, no. and he ended up bringing us to that. It was a pretty good restaurant we went to, actually. It served some chicken, and I think... Um, it was it, another one that kind of... we we They directed us to some little spot. It was down yeah. like, down some, like, the old brick roads yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like it was some little door. And alleyways was, and stuff. It was great food. Yeah. But I just, I never remembered that. I just always remembered sitting in that car and looking at the Uber driver like, what the hell? That's yeah, the same Sa guy. But Sasha met us there. Remember, Sasha takes care of us at the gym yeah. over there in Germany. So yeah. shout out to Sasha. Um, listen, I'm going to tell a story about how, you know, we went to the Middle East. We went to Dubai. And, you know, we always had great uh, you know, service there. And we end up staying at this hotel. And I remember, like, you know, we, we were talking to, I think Nick was the promoter that year of the uh, Dubai Muscle the Show. Dubai Muscle Show. And, you know, the hotel kind of sponsored the rooms, right? Uh -huh. And we ended up, like, in this room, you know, and he's like, hey, they want to put you in this this Presidential. Suite. Yeah, the pre I, I don't know what it was called. It was a Marriott or something. Yeah. And we got in this room, man, <laughs> and it was, it was so big yeah. that we actually asked to downgrade. To go back to our old room. And our old room was a three-bedroom, like, condo yes so this thing must have been five thousand feet it had a huge living room it had a full yeah. kitchen the cabinets the it was like bedroom after bedroom and I'm, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me and we're like do we really need this because <laughs> like you were like staying on a whole separate wing and you know we were trying to get stuff and you know we would kind of collaborate and each day we had you know activities we needed to get done and that's when we were, i think we were touring with the military and we're also there for meet and greets and doing radio and yeah. we we're trying to find time to train. And, and you know, the, the time change is so crazy there that I was training at like three in the morning. Yeah. I, mean, I couldn't sleep for, sh for shit there. So, you know, but that was the only time that I actually asked to downgrade yeah. our, our accommodations because it was just so outrageous. I think we asked what it would cost to live there a month. Some, and, some guy lived there for a long time yeah. and opened up. I just, like, I remember when you walked through that front door, they had, like, an office that you could have, like, a, a legit office of, like, 10 staff people yeah. in it. And they had that that table, because it was my birthday. Yeah, and yeah, they had that, a huge, it was like they a had this little. Table, they had this right? little cake that said, happy birthday, yeah. Matt. And sitting there, that table had to be 20 feet long by, like, 8 yeah. feet wide. Like, you could fit 50 people on it. And I'm like, 
the hell do we need this for? Yeah, that's when I think Angie sent me flowers there. Remember the yeah. roses showed up? And it was, I'm like, it was, who the hell I think sent it was flowers? before we moved to the to the bigger room. Yeah. And but I remember like I went in the kitchen and there was nothing in the kitchen. Yeah. And it was one of those things where you like had to push on it and then the door would open and then yeah. you'd see a cabinet or you would see something. But when you walked down the hall, that hallway had to have been 30 yards long. Yeah. And there was just bedroom after bedroom. There was probably 20 bedrooms. I'm like, what the hell would anyone need this for? Yeah, we didn't need all that space. So that's probably like one of the crazier ones that, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's a million stories that people would love to hear about. But, you know, we actually downgrade our accommodations at some yeah. of these events. Nobody else does that. Um, so this one here says, why do pre-workouts have warnings like, do not use for more than eight weeks. It's my first time using pre-workouts. I've noticed on Prevail and Amplify, which I love, by the way. I was just curious. I think your body gets used to everything, and I think anything that has, uh, you know, stems or caffeine, or you should give your body a break. So I always encourage people that buy pre-workouts, even though there's like twenty-five or thirty servings. They think that they need to use that for twenty-five days in a row, or you know, twenty-five workouts. There should be workouts <coughs> that you don't have to use a pre-workout um I, i'm i'm more i'm more prone to use a pump pre-workout meaning with no stimulants no caffeine because i'm looking for like the nicest oxide type pump but i think your body needs to cycle on and off it's just like the days when people used to use creatine only yeah and you had to cycle on and off it because your body does get used to it. it's just like you know using any kind of medications. I mean, if you use Advil or whatever else, like you're not supposed, you know, your body does get used to it if yeah. you use it on a consistent basis. So uh, with any supplement uh, other than I think protein, which you can use on a continuous basis, anything that has, you know, things that are going to give you the edge for pre-workouts or whatever else, I think it's always great to take a break. And I encourage, even though I have a supplement company, I still encourage people to cycle on and off, uh, especially the pre-workouts and the caffeine. Caffeine is one of those things that I'm not, to this day, like I'm very careful. Like I know you drink a lot of coffee and like indirectly, you know, sodas and everything else have a lot of caffeine. So try to track your caffeine and see what in a day what you yeah. what you use in total, you know, milligrams or grams of caffeine. And I, I guarantee a lot of people would be a little higher than what they should be. Mm-hmm. It's not great on your body. What is the lowest what was the lowest point of your career? Man, you know, I would probably say 2007 Olympia. Mm-hmm. 2007 Olympia. I mean, I, I I, would, you know, people would expect like the 99 Olympia where I, I rolled into that show hoping to get calls with Ronnie Coleman and Leveron and Sean Ray. And I finished 15 out of 16. Uh, but actually the lowest point probably was winning 07, you know, and having the infection and then having the world you know, questioned if the win was legit or not. So I had to, you know, basically travel around for that whole year with, you know, you, here's the champ, and then the whispers of, like, should he have won? Yeah. That was, it was pretty devastating to me, actually, because, you know, I won 06 after so many battles second. I was the new king, and then in 07 to come back to defend the title and win it and have it be questionable, it was very hurtful for me. Um, not to say like that I truly believed I I deserved to win, and some people would knock on that. It's just a matter of opinion. But I, I felt like I was off, but I still felt that um, you know Victor wasn't at his all time best. Meaning like he it was still that you know he needed to be a little bit sharper. 
Um, he might have been a little sharper in certain areas, but I think there were certain areas I was sharper. Um, and obviously my width was an advantage back then. So for me, uh, you know, it's it's easy to look back. And, I mean, I'm looking at Sandow's behind me, you know, that sit here, and everyone tells a story. But I think that point, you know, I traveled to Australia after I was overcoming the infection and then, uh, you know, have to roll into 2008. And then, of course, losing in 2008, that was pretty devastating also. Because, mm-hmm. you know, once you get that taste of the championship, it's really hard to let it go. So definitely losing to Dexter was another low point. But I would say winning in 07 was worse than losing it in 08. It was almost like a sense of relief in 08 because of the struggles I had. And then, of course, going to the highest point in 2009 was the highest ever, even the, over the first one I ever won. That was the next question. What's the highest point of your career? Yeah, probably 09, coming back to win it, being the first one in history ever to do that. Uh, you know, tearing the cover and, uh, you know, being that guy again, right? 2006 was pretty amazing, too. I remember waking up every day and, like, it took weeks to sink in, saying, shoot, I'm Mr. Olympia. Like, you know, you never imagine when you start training that you become the best at what you do. I mean, you look at and admire, like, the Lee Haney's and the Dorian Yates's and Ronnie Coleman, who then you end up battling with, but to be in the history books. And it's still, it's even more amazing to me at my age today to be recognized as one of the history makers of our, of our business. You know, there's been 15 or 16, how many, I don't know how many, I think 16, 16, Mr. Olympias. I was the 11th. And it's just amazing to me still to this day to be in that history books, to be one of the elite in 50 something years, you know? crazy and you're one of the most successful bodybuilders business businessmen what is your secret to financial success in bodybuilding fear of being broke that's pretty simple i always fear i don't care what anything i ever did whether i i feared losing on stages uh i fear because listen i i wasn't always wealthy or successful with finances Mm -hmm. so for me like what keeps me driven is like, okay, I know what it feels like to be on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know that hard work pays dividends, right? So for me, I never gave up that ambition. And no matter what, like I never get comfortable. I never get satisfied. I, I continue to budget, um, and, but I always never shoot for anything that's out of my um, striking distance. So, like, I will take chances because in business you always take some sort of chance, but I always have a, a B, C, or D plan when I have a plan that is in front of me, meaning, like, you know, I've kind of established myself to have my hands in a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm no expert in any of, don't get it wrong, like, I just, I have great relationships and I have people that are trustworthy and I have people that are knowledgeable that help me and guide me, but I also take the time to learn about the things that interest me. And and I always go for the things that I'm passionate about. So if like I'm passionate about bodybuilding and, you know, and merchandising and, you know, like, like you talk about, you know, going to speaking at seminars, like there's just knowledge that you can't, you can't teach with textbook, right? It's all through experience. And I think for me is like, I never shoot too high, but you know, I always, you know, have that mindset of like, I don't want to fail. Yeah. And that's what keeps me driven to this day and it keeps me focused on the prize. And, 
and you know, I've kind of reserved myself a lot from diving into too many things. Deals come across every day. Every day. And you're going to have winners. You're going to have losers. I've been very successful in real estate, but I've also lost. You know, I've done investments that I've been very successful, but I also lost. I mean, just like with bodybuilding, I've done great and I've lost, right? Uh, I haven't won everything. I'm not one that's just started in it from the you beginning. Lose, you lose 100% of the chances you don't take. Yeah. So I think they have a little balls at the same time. Um, not giving a, a, a damn what people think sometimes and just staying true to who you are. And, you know, my dad from day one raised me to work really hard. Um, I learned the value of a dollar very early. Um, I live a very great lifestyle, uh, but I'm still uh, prepared for, uh, you know, what, what could be the worst. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I never take things for granted. I think that's what keeps you always, it. you always give me shit about that and say, you're being cheap. It's like, yeah, I, I, I think I, I know what it's like to be at the absolute bottom and I'll never go back. Of there. course. Yeah. And I mean, I, I say that because, you know, if you know, you, you go to stores to save money or, you know, certain gas stations or, you know, we talk about, you know, saving money on, you know, trips and, you know, not booking certain class because we use points or status or whatever else to, to, that's one thing, you know, you know, you travel with me and I don't always fly first class because if it's absolutely outrageous, I won't pay it. No matter how much money is. And you say, well, you need to spend money because your business, you know, it's a business expense. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I'd rather take that extra $400 and, take a client to dinner or yeah. upgrade our computers or build a better podcast studio or whatever right. else, instead of blowing it on a, on a three hour flight that I'm going to sit and watch the same bullshit Wi-Fi TV thing. You know what I was thinking of another funny story. So we were going to Dubai. It, it wasn't that trip. It was a different one. And I remember we looked up the flights and you were flying out of LA and I was flying. I would, I had to go through Toronto. We mm-hmm. met, we met in Dubai and I remember looking the flights up and I was like, yo man, that flight on Emirates from LA nonstop is like $15,000. And my ticket was like 12 grand. I remember you going, we're flying coach. And I remember you got on the plane and you said somebody up front was like, Hey, is that Jay color back there? (laughs) And you're sitting way in the back of the plane. But I remember you just messaging me the whole way. You're like, I'm never fucking doing this again. Why did you put me on this seat? You're like blaming me. You did this to me. (laughs) I was like, yo, man, I'm on the same. I'm on a crappy flight. too." So I'm going to tell the story (laughs) and then that's, we're going to, we're going to wrap this thing up. (laughs) So I got on this Emirates flight leaving to come home. Okay. It's 16 hours direct from uh, Dubai to LAX. And then I have to get over here. Right. And of course, you know, it's like a three hour layover because <coughs> there's no flights when you to land, you know, yeah. to, to plan it right. So I get on the plane. I'm like one of the last ones to load on. Right. And I'm in economy. I don't even know if it's upgraded economy, whatever, plus yeah. or whatever. Plane is packed, packed. And there's this greeter at the door. And he's like, hey, hey, you know, and it's like one of those things where he didn't want to at the minute say, Oh my God, Jay Cutler. He, I could tell he knew who I was. So I went to my seat and I sat down and all of a sudden the plane's wrapping up and they're making the announcements and whatever. Everyone's buckling their seatbelts and all the kids and all the people are sitting. And this guy comes over and he goes, Oh my God, Jay Cutler. And you're sitting in coach. Why? (laughs) And I'm like this mother. And I'm like, and I'm like, I look around and the whole plane stops. (laughs) 
<laughs> because, you know, the guy, like, has to blare it out. Jay Cutler, you're sitting in coach. It's exact words. And I'm like, I put my head down. I'm like, oh, my God. And I text you, and I'm like, this is your fault. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. did this to me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I blamed you. Because I have a habit of doing that. Whoever's not with me, it's their I fault. blame someone else. And I was, I, I didn't think, like, yeah, I was being, dude, I saved, I don't know how much I saved. A thousands lot. It was, it was, and thousands. It was, it was like a thousand, it was like 1200 bucks no, versus it was, 15 grand. Yes. It was, yes. It was so like the you saved like 13, So the ticket was, yes, yes. Yeah. Because we, we had a, a landed price. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh man. So I was like, and you know what the funniest part about that was? So when I flew home from there, I didn't fly air Canada on the way there. I flew from Dubai to Germany, Germany to Chicago. And I was upgraded because I used points to upgrade. So you were in economy and I flew business back because I purposely took a route that I knew I could get upgraded on. I'm like, I'm not flying this air Canada. Cause it was the same thing on the way there. The only flight that would get me to land within an hour of you was an Air Canada flight. Yeah. So I had to go from where I was at in Wisconsin to Chicago, Chicago to Toronto, Toronto to Dubai. And on Air Canada, you have no status. You can upgrade on Lufthansa. So I couldn't even, like premium economy was like five grand. And I'm like, I'm not paying 4,000 extra. No way. So I had to fly, and I mean, the backpack, and I was just crammed for... 14 hours yeah, or whatever need, need it was. to say, I did sleep, I think, 11 out of the 16 hours, and, you know, it all was fine. That would but, have been a great That would have been a great text message to say, you did this to me. Yeah. <laughs> this I is probably, your fault. I probably have it in my phone somewhere. So, yes. And also, so what's the shirt you have on today? This is the new Legend shirt. This is uh, on Jay Cutler's shop, so make sure you guys check it out. I have some new merch on there, and this is... You can see my image in this. So uh, we're going to do with this. We'll we'll take this, and if, you were, if you're interested in the shirt, it'll be the top link on the YouTube. Yeah. And different colors. It comes in, you know, all yeah, different colors. Yeah, I've never colors. seen that one. It's got, it's got yeah, that it's old pretty, picture you pointing off to the side. Yeah, so I'm coming out a lot of new styles, so make sure you guys check out Jay Cutler's shop, and uh, I'll start my memorabilia at your site also, so you can check it out. And it's a wrap.